Hello and welcome to episode 30 of TLDR Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and joining us for yet another week. Today's Monday, so it's a little weird for us recording a day early. Well, it's really because one of us, and I won't name names, had a hard time reading time correctly, but that's besides the point. But hey, good news for you is that you get the episode a little earlier. We have a great episode in store for you today as we preview sports, predict sports, and finally have another food segment. But first, let's check in with the boys. Hockey playing hockey guy trading. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. Um, you know, hockey is 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 going. Um, I'm not very I should be more excited about it, but I'm not because my team is absolute garbage, but that's that's fine. Uh, we'll, we'll get through it. It's only four games so far. We're, we're okay. We're okay. Nice. Nice. This is totally unrelated, by the way, to anything I just said, but just an FYI trading 10 p.m. means 10 p.m., not 7 p.m., just so you know. Yo, yo. Okay, time out. First of all, I'm a banker. I, re- I deal with banking time. So if something says Eastern time and it says EST, I know the math instantly. I'm quick with that. And that's what my little app says about my hockey game. So I'm sorry that I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that we're recording on Monday, but hey, you know, we're rec- at least we're recording. So are you moving to the East Coast or something? No, it's just it. it's just my my hockey league scheduled on the app that I have to follow. They scheduled everything in Eastern. It says Eastern time. So I'm like, oh, oh. that's great. I have a seven o'clock game on a Tuesday. Yeah, no, it's at 10. It's still at 10. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our recording on a Monday. Eric, time is hard. Time is very hard. But Eric, it's been two weeks in a row, dude. You're here for two weeks in a row. It's awesome. We're excited <laughs> that you're here. How was your week? Uh, it was good. So. I didn't realize how important fantasy hockey goalies are in our league. Yeah, that's because, why I have seven. Uh, fucking trade-in. I don't even know who your goalie was. But my goalie was Varlamov, and he had a fucking shutout, and he only got, like, 80 points. And trade-in, whoever the fuck his goalie was, like, won a 5-4 game, and his goalie had, like, 120 points. Yeah, that's probably Koskinen. For some reason, I don't know how he... <laughs> So it's Tyler's fault because mm-hmm. my goalie gets a shutout and gets less points than Tradens, who wins like a five-four close game. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk about this. I mean, to be on. fair, you can look up the score on how it scored on the on the app. I, w- I was looking at it. Yeah, I, I guess just saves are really a big amount of points, but goalies can win you weeks in this in this league. I realize so. Definitely, there's a tip. We'll get a goalie, Alex. I was very, very, very impressed that you and Tyler's tribute to Tom Minnesota. But let's talk about you. How are you? How was your Dude, week? It was great. You know, I went for a little bike ride to the beach on Saturday. Uh, watched my Rams lose. Fell asleep <laughs> immediately after because I drank too many beers. Uh, but other than that, it's been great. Yeah, I'm doing good. Was that bike ride your first exercise in, for the new the year? No, not at all. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah, that. I've been running every day. Hey, good for you. But how far do you run? Uh, just like down the street, a beer miles back. worth. <laughs> I don't know. It's like one mile. It's probably just like one mile in the morning, and then maybe some later. I've been playing tennis. I'm doing lots of things. Did not pick you for a tennis guy. No all. golf yeah. though. Huh? No, never. Golf is not <laughs> exercise. Golf is just drinking outside. Ooh, uh, you don't like yeah. that? I do like that, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm never gonna play golf. <laughs> right now. and yet we still try week after week yeah. <laughs> finally tyler i feel like you've been really busy recently was that right yeah it's been crazy uh lots of hours logs but hey 
man. I don't, I don't care, man. I'm living the life, um, loving, loving it, loving work. Um, but it's all been good. Uh, last week, first LA Kings game in 309 days. I was super pumped about it. I was wearing my Kings jersey. I was watching the game, third period, fell asleep because I was so tired. Woke up to see that the Kings lost in overtime. So that was a bummer. Um, so that's, yeah, that was, that was kind of my week summed up in a nutshell. Just I, I'm falling asleep at like nine, nine o'clock every night, but it's all good. So that was a good old man. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to get right into it this week. Um, if you haven't noticed yet, I'm hosting. So Tyler was gracious enough to do the NFL segment for me. Uh, there were four great games this weekend and two great games coming up, and that promises to be even better than this last week's games. Tyler, take it away. Yeah, James, I got really big shoes to fill with this NFL segment. It's probably not going to be as good, but I'm going to do my best here. So uh, let's roll right into it. Uh, let's talk about the AFC first. So let's talk about the Buffalo Bills, the number two seed. Uh, they'll be in the AFC championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs, the one seed. Uh, the Bills beat the Ravens 17-3. to uh, Really wasn't as good of, of a game as we thought. I think we all thought this was going to be a super high-scoring offensive game. It didn't turn out that way at all. Uh, this was really highlighted by uh, Taron Johnson's 101-yard pick six in the third quarter to kind of steal the game for the Bills there. Uh, the Bills limited the NFL's top running defense to only 150 yards on 32 carries in the game. Uh, Lamar Jackson didn't have a great game. Uh, obviously, he, he left the game in the, in the third quarter with a concussion, uh, finished with – he went 14 for 24, 162 yards, only 42 yards rushing. Um, Keenan Allen on the other side of the ball uh, finished 23 for 37, 206 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, this is going to be Buffalo, Buffalo's – what? You definitely said Keenan Allen, who's a yeah, wide receiver for the Chargers. <laughs> Terrible Chargers. And Josh Allen is the quarterback for the Bills. See, Marty, I'm already fucking up. Strike one. All right. <laughs> Josh Allen finished third, 23 for 37, 206 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, this will be Buffalo's first AFC championship game in 27 years. Uh, they are rolling right now. They have won eight straight games. Uh, as far as the Chiefs go, they beat the Browns 22 to 17. Again, again, a game that I think we, we didn't expect to be this close. Um, Patrick Mahomes uh, left the game with a concussion in the third quarter, so that will be a big question mark. Uh, to see how he's going to uh, roll in the game on Sunday. Uh, but prior to that, the, 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 the Chiefs were rolling. Uh, Patrick Mahomes went, was, going, was 21 for 30, 255 yards, two total touchdowns. Uh, Patrick quarterback Chad Henney came in and replaced Mahomes. Hashtag anything is possible. Uh, Browns grinded back and you know made it a little bit of a game, but the Chiefs defense uh, made the stops when they had to. And then Andy Reid's gutsy call on fourth and inches with 114 left in the game, seal the deal for KC. This will be the Chiefs' third straight AFC championship game, first AFC team to ever to play in three straight uh, conference championship games, and they will host the Bills on Sunday at 340 uh, Pacific time trading. Um, so, <laughs> Alex, you are our big Bills, Bills guy, yeah. uh, best, best friends with uh, Josh Allen. True, or homies. Uh, yep. Uh, why are the Bills going to win this game? Uh, I mean, it's it really comes down to Patrick Mahomes is not going to be 100%, and Chad Henney cannot beat the Buffalo Bills. It, I mean, what else, like, what else do you need to hear? The Bills' defense obviously played very well against a high-powered 
uh, Baltimore offense. You know, granted, obviously, Lamar Jackson did leave early, but they held him to three points. Um, you know, Josh Allen did just enough to win. I think, well, you know, as we were talking um, as the playoffs were getting started and we were wondering if Josh Allen was going to be able to take that next step in the playoffs, I think he's proven it. Um, dude, Bill's Mafia, they're going to the Super Bowl. That's a, that's a great point. And then Bill's, that Bill's Mafia, I don't know if you guys saw the videos of them. Um, they willed uh, the Ravens kicker, Justin Tucker, to miss two field goals. So they got some serious power going on there. Um, Eric, why is Alex wrong? And why are the Chiefs going to go to their second straight Super Bowl? Um, because they're the Chiefs, all right? They have Andy Reid. He's just that meme. I don't know if people saw it, like the South Park episode where they have the giant balls and he's like wheel wheel bearing wheel barrowing himself <laughs> down the yeah. fucking sidewalk. That oh. that was Andy Reid on that fourth and inches call. But Mahomes, yeah, as the old timers would say, got his bell rung. He's gonna be okay. He's gonna speed through his concussion protocol. He's gonna go through like two to three steps in one day. You watch. They're going to do whatever they can to get this guy on the field. Um, who knows? Maybe Henny comes in and takes a few snaps. But as long as they can shut down Stefan Diggs, um, it's Josh Allen's going to have to rely on other guys. And I don't think uh, they have enough firepower to do it without Diggs. So if they can shut down Diggs, they got a chance. Alex, what's your rebuttal to that? Well, I don't know how someone just passes concussion protocol <laughs> in a shorter amount of time than is possible. <laughs> I don't really know. I don't know what the NFL concussion protocol is. Um, I mean, is it like, is Mahomes even ruled out for sure? Or is, can he even come back in that amount of time? He can't come back. If yeah, it's it's going to be like really questionable. It's going to be weird. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I think if Mahomes doesn't play – it would be a miracle if the Chiefs won. I mean, obviously they have a very high-powered offense, but, I mean, you can't replace Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Um, and I just think the Bills are on a roll. They feel like, you know, it's the first time in 25 years that they're, you know, going through this far into the playoffs. It's kind of like how we were talking about in hockey, how it just felt like it was the Lightning's time. It kind of feels like it's the Bills' time. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that, Alex. Um, I think that the, the huge thing with, as we mentioned, is Patrick Mahomes. What is his health status going to be going in this game? I think that's going to, that's going to be huge. Um, but even if the, the Chiefs had Mahomes, I think the Bills got a really good shot at, at winning this game. Uh, so let's go around and do our, our score predictions. I'm going to pick the Bills to win this game 27 to 24. Alex, what do you got? Uh, I got the Bills at 24, Chiefs 21. Eric? I got Chiefs 21, Bills 20. Someone's going to uh, miss an extra point for the Bills. <laughs> Trade, what do you got? Uh, I have Bills 35-30. I just don't really like the Chiefs. I don't like, I don't like how they're trending right now. <laughs> James? Uh, I have the Chiefs winning. I have the Chiefs with 42 and the Bills with 38. Damn. Wow. Close game. Dude, there's gonna, high-powered offense. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to come back. I think he is going to play. There's not a lot of defense on either side of this game at all. So it's going to be high scoring. It's going to be run and go and shoot it in high scoring game. Should be a great one. The top two teams in the AFC going at it. Should be, should be fun to watch. 
Going on in the other conference, the, the NFC, uh, we got the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, at the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Buccaneers, the five seed, they beat the Saints 30 to 20 in the, in, in the old timers game. Um, this game was it, was, it was a good one to watch. Um, the defense really dominated for, for, for the Bucks, forcing four turnovers. They scored three touchdowns off those four turnovers. Um, the offense scored 17 unanswered points in the second half. Um, 43-year-old Tom Brady, he's going to be in his 14th conference championship game, obviously his first in the NFC. Uh, he went 18 for 33, 199 yards, only sacked once. Uh, so a fairly easy game for Tom Brady, I feel like, overall. Um and then for, for, for the Packers, they, they beat the Rams 32 to 18. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense overwhelmed the NFL's top defense. Uh, Rodgers went 23 for 36, 296 yards, two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Uh, they didn't have to punt until halfway through the, through the third quarter. Uh, it was a pretty dominant performance all around, I, I, I think, for, for the Packers. Uh, for the Packers, they'll be in their fourth NFC title game in seven seasons and they'll be hosting the Buccaneers at Lambeau Field Sunday at 12.05 Pacific time, Traden. Um, so, Traden, why are the Buccaneers going to win this game? Yeah, so look, I, I will say that that was not the prettiest win that the Buccaneers had over the Saints. Um, that said, I, I think that it's going to come down to the Buccaneers actually committing to the run game. Um, I mean, Leonard Fournette and the, and, um, Ronald Jones are getting deployed big time. Um, they're making big plays when they need to, um, Fournette's amassed 4.3 yards per carry and Jones is at 5.4 yards per carry. That's very solid, very helpful. And I think that they need to commit to that run game because I think that they get a little too wrapped up in the, in the talent on the receiving end that Brady thinks he needs to throw the ball. And, and Bruce Arians thinks that the ball needs to be, you know, you know, sailed through the air and it really really doesn't i mean they, they can win the game um you know on the uh, on the uh, on the ground i also think that the the run defense that the bucks have is gonna is gonna um really position and push the packers back um because at the end of the day it's gonna be a cold day uh, i get think it's gonna come down to um to whoever can can execute the run game better with that said they still have an elite, uh, you know, elite receiving core who can make big plays, and it's and we're seeing some secondary um, help as well, you know, past, um, you know, past the the elite guys that we that we see, you know, in the papers every single day. So, um, you know, I, I this is going to be a close game. This is an instant classic, guys. This is going to be such a great game to watch, and one of my it's <laughs> I'm so looking forward to it. Um, but I do I do think that the Buccaneers can squeak out a win um, if they commit to the run game. All right, James, why are the Cheeseheads heading to the Super Bowl? Two words, man. Aaron Rodgers. And that's it. Not as fine. Aaron Rodgers, that guy is insane. He's having an MVP type season. He should win MVP. He has my vote for sure. And he's definitely proved it, even with this last game. Uh, against the Rams, which is the number one ranked defense in the NFL, he put up 296 yards passing against an, a defense that averaged 281 total. That's ridiculous right there. He can hurt you in so many different ways. He has full command of the field, full command of the ball, and the offense. His IQ is incredible, as well as his arm. He draws so many penalties. Like, last game alone, he got so many yards just because he knew that there was 12 men on the field or it can draw you off sides. Now, on top of that, dude, he had 48 touchdowns and five interceptions this season. He had two this last game. The Packers have multiple weapons, 
And I know Traden said that, hey, like the Bucks run defense is good. Cool. Like they have three great running backs. They can probably run through that defensive line. But the thing is, these running backs can also catch the ball. Aaron Jones runs that screenplay to perfection. And the, the offensive scheme that the Packers run is a West Coast style offense, which will pretty much beat an overly aggressive defensive line. It's quick slants, quick passes. We're not the catch. And if that doesn't work, then you throw deep because they still have Devontae Adams. I mean, other than that, like the receiving core is pretty good. We saw a lot of guys step up. Devontae Adams was shadowed by an elite corner in Jalen Ramsey. But guess what he did? He had nine receptions for 66 yards and a touchdown. Elite? Okay, sure. And you want to say that the Bucs have an elite cornerback too? Dude, Devontae Adams is unguardable. He can be any corner that you put on him. And if you, even if you do shut him down, like the Packers have so many weapons. They all stepped up last game, and you saw that. MVS stepped up. Alan Lazard stepped up. Robert Tanyan, my personal favorite, that guy did really well too. He's going to be a top five tight end in the league sometime soon. On the defensive side, you have so many guys that can pressure Goff. Or not Goff, but um, Brady. And Brady hates pressure. He's old. He can't get away from it. Traden said that you got to rely on their run game. Sure, rely on your run game. But the thing is, their defensive line can provide pressure. And they have a really good um, linebacker who had double-digit tackles. And if you want to throw to the outside, they have a Jair Alexander as a shutdown corner. So Mike Evans is going to struggle. On top of that, you have Adrian Amos. Like, this cornerback group is good. They're underrated. So overall, it's a defense that works together, and I think they're going to win. Traden, what say you? You know, all everything that, that James said is, you know, why this is going to be such a great game. Um, I, I, and I guess my two words would be Tom Brady. I mean, these two are the best quarterbacks to play the game in our era. I mean, I think that, I mean, I guess that can be debated, but I think that more, more than likely you're going to say that these two have been battling for the top spot. Um, and guess what? Big plays on defense can happen. You know, I, I know that Aaron Rodgers has the ability to sling the football, especially in his, in his home barn when it's cold. Um, but you know, any single defensive defensive play is going to is going to turn the ball the other way. Uh, I think that it's going to come down to whoever commits the least amount of turnovers this game. I think that's what it's going to be come down to. I also think it's going to come down to whoever has the ball last. That's going to that's how close this game is going to be. Um, so, I you know, I don't have much to rebuttal against than just say, hey, crazier things have happened when simply a, when simply a defense makes a play, a big play. And again, I'm, I'll say it right now whoever has the least amount of turnovers is probably going to win the game for sure. Definitely. Uh, I, I, I agree with you in the sense, this is going to be a classic game. I think both games are going to be awesome. Uh, with, with this one, I think this one's going to be a little bit more of a, not a blowout, but not as close as, as the AFC one. So I'm going to go Packers 30 bucks, 23 um, trading. What do you got? Um, I have a 27, 24 uh, Buccaneers win James. Uh, Packers 31, Bucks 28. Eric. I agree <clears throat> exactly with trading with the 27 24 Bucks over the Packers. It's Tom Brady. Uh, Bucks 35. Oh, sorry, Packers 35, Bucks 30. All right, there you have it. We're getting down to the final four here in the NFL. It's the preview for the Super Bowl coming up in a few weeks. So we hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, let, let us know your picks. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, we're, we're getting down to it, boys. So we're looking forward to two great games on Sunday. James, that's all I got. Tyler, absolutely amazing job with that. We should probably do some more collabs because that was good.
<laughs> a lot of good points all the way throughout there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, Alex is going to go through his top NBA storylines from the last week. Welcome back. A lot happened in the NBA this last week, including a massive franchise-altering trade. And who better to tell us all about it than the guy who was in first place in fantasy basketball? Alex, take it away. Thank you for bringing that up. I am in first place. I am 4-0, the only undefeated team left. James is 3-1. and one. Uh, Trade and White, what are you doing over here? Where are you? You 2-2. Two two. That's not too shabby. Yeah. Not too shabby. Tyler, 1-3. and three. At the <laughs> Almost yeah. bottom, bottom of the pack there. Shit. Uh, you might have to change your team name, but yeah, I think so. Yeah, just so yeah, that's just what's going on in fantasy. Gotta basketball. change something. Yeah, you gotta have to change something up. <laughs> but yeah, as James alluded to, a uh, big trade in the NBA. James Harden finally left the Rockets. Uh, Houston Sports is just imploding around. You know, they're just falling apart. Uh, but I'm not gonna get into everything that went down in the trade because it was with like four different teams and it's a bunch of craziness. But pretty much, James Harden goes to the Rocket. Uh, to the Nets. Karis LeVert then goes to the Pacers and Victor Oladipo goes to the Rockets. Karis LeVert then as he's doing his physical, there's a mass on his kidney, so he's out indefinitely. So the Pacers kind of got fucked a little bit, but at the same time uh, kind of a good thing for Karis LeVert because now he can deal with that accordingly. Um, Other than that, we hope he's okay. Uh, But for right now, we're going to focus on James Harden moving to the Eastern Conference and to the Nets already, obviously with Kevin Durant and sort of Kyrie Irving. Kyrie has missed the last handful of games. Um, you know, there was rumors that he would retire or that the Nets wouldn't bring him back. It looks like he is going to come back, uh, which is good because he's on my fantasy team. So I need him to come back, even though I'm four now. Um, but Eric, so James Harden, we're as a collective group, I would say not the biggest fan of James Harden on this podcast. Uh, he does. He does go to a Nets team that you had ranked at the top of your power rankings for a good portion of the year. Uh, is James Harden to the Nets? Does that now make them the favorite to win the East? Yes, definitely does. Um, tonight, thirty-four, twelve, and six. Tonight, just beat the Bucks that you all have. I think above the Nets. Uh, tonight said he's the happiest he's ever been in this league. Um, I think he's a good guy now. It all it took, you know, was like two weeks for him to get traded. But um, he's getting into his rhythm. He's played with Durant, who I think is probably the most clutch player in the league currently. Um, He's played multiple seasons with him before. I think Kyrie not playing. I feel like Durant kind of, you know, pulled the trigger and said, all right, let's get him. Let's get him over here. Um, I think he meshes and fits in well with that team. And they kind of just became one of the toughest teams in the league now with him getting there. I think he's not going to be as selfish as we think he'll be like he was with the Rockets. So he's a great addition for that team who was already pretty stacked. They're going to be tough to be in the East. Uh, assuming Kyrie does come back, are you worried that there are now three guys who need the ball in their hands a lot, which doesn't typically work out that well for NBA teams sometimes? Um. Yeah, there'll be something weird at first for them. Um, I don't I don't really know if Kyrie's going to come back this season. It's kind of weird, man. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I do know that he's, you know, 
he gets in his head a lot. I don't like I said, I don't really know what the fuck is going on. I don't know if he is returning this season. I think it's another big reason they pulled the trigger on getting Harden over there. But if Kyrie does come back, it's going to be a little weird at first. And uh, they're going to have to learn how to share. I think they're all okay with Durant having the ball in the end of the game for that last shot. I would, I would think so. Uh, tonight, he actually passed it to Harden, who was open. Harden took the shot, missed it, got his own rebound, passed it back to Durant, who made the game-winning shot. So, you know, it's it'll be it'll be tough at first, but they'll be they'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, James, the fact that James Harden actually got his own rebound already shows that he's trying more because that's not something <laughs> he would have done in Houston. Yeah. Um, and the, I think the funniest thing is I know it's probably just like camera angles and stuff, but if you look at his last picture in Houston compared to his first picture in Brooklyn, he literally looks like he lost 20 pounds in about three days. <laughs> so I don't know how that happened. No, he, yeah, he does. I don't know. Maybe it's the color it's scheme or something. Yeah, who knows? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it's obviously a huge pickup. James Harden is a great player. I'm a little worried uh, because James Harden has never been known for his defense. Kyrie's not that great of a defender. KD's can be a good defender, but, you know, he takes some possessions off sometimes. Um, and the trades that they made, they lost a lot of defense. Um, and as we know, defense wins championships. That's why I still have the Bucks ranked above the Nets. I think the Bucks have an elite defense. Um, you know, obviously they did lose the Nets tonight. But I think those are probably the two best teams in the East moving forward. Um, and then with James Harden now moving on, I think there's some other names that could possibly be moving on to um, and trading. We kind of talked about this a little bit. So Bradley Beal yep. of the Washington Wizards, uh, Russell Westbrook is out with a quad injury and the Wizards are struggling. And then Carl Anthony Towns, he did just uh, test positive for COVID, <laughs> but the Timberwolves are also struggling and those guys both can help elite teams um do you see these guys you know kind of being the next superstars to get moved yeah i mean we'll start with uh we'll start with with beal um the, the wizards are not you know playing they're, they're struggling pretty big and he's he's uh you know i think that he actually being available because i think that he that he wants his way out i think that he actually had a lot to do with what the the Nets, or I'm sorry, what the what Houston got in return for for Harden. I, I think that Harden, I think that that trade, you know, they held out to make that trade with uh, with uh, the Nets for for a while. We remember that. I mean, I think this trade has been out kind of in the in the works for a while, and and no one bought, you know, no one bought in, no one no one bid above, you know, what the what the Nets, uh, you know, what the Nets were giving. And I think that 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 kind of shows that there are other teams that see other options other than Harden. And I think that he's one of those options. Um, you know, you know, Philly was able to give up was, uh, was willing to give up Ben's. I can see Philly being an option here. Um, you know, we don't, and we, I guess we don't know for sure when he's going to be available, but, um, you know, I, I think that he's definitely, uh, you know, on the, on the, um, on the speculation. Um, so you know, I, he, there's nothing to indicate that 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 the deal's there, but I think that he's definitely a player that's going to be looked at. Um, so I don't know what you think. You probably you brought him up, so I think that yeah. he's uh, you know I think that he's kind of the front runner. My you know, yeah. I mean Bradley Beal has been unbelievable this season. Um, I don't know if he still is, but at, you know, a good point of the season he was leading the league in scoring. Um, he's been on the rumor mill of being traded for the last I don't know year and a half or so. 
that Wizards team was so close a couple of times to kind of breaking through when with a healthy John Wall and Bradley Beal and all these guys and it didn't work and they kind of blew it up and they kind of need to just start over. Um, he's an elite scorer and it'll be interesting to see if he does finally get dealt. Um, what do you think about Carl Anthony Towns? Do you yeah. Think, so now that he has, has the Rona, does that affect if someone would trade for him? I, I don't know. I mean, I, that kind of, you know, that, that kind of thing is, is obviously short term and and it's for for this guy you're looking you're looking for a you're looking for not only a, an immediate solution but also he's under contract for three more seasons so he's going to be part of your organization for the next you know this year plus two more right so yeah. um you know minnesota you know tried to build around towns i mean they, they secured d'angelo russell um and you know they took in this first round pick um in what was what was his name I'm sorry anthony uh, edwards anthony edwards and they just haven't really sparked, right? And I and and so I would not be surprised if if you know Towns looks for looks for a way out. Um, you know, I see Miami as an option. If if Miami hasn't found some, I think Miami's you know looking to to build. They're looking to bring in some some high end talent. And you know, if they don't find someone, I think the car. I think that Towns is definitely an option here. Um, you might also see the um, OKC New Orleans may, um, you know, those pick quarters might be uh, finding options to trade some picks for, for a player like towns. Um, I, I think it's kind of a wait and see, um, and maybe it'll be up to him too. I mean, I, I don't know if, if, you know, it, it may be up to him to see if, if something can spark, but you know, maybe Minnesota looks at it this way and says, you know, there's nothing here. Um, but I will say that I think that an, an interesting trade that you, or interesting trade option that you didn't bring up what, would be actually Kyle Lowry, just given the case, just given the fact that the Raptors are not really doing very well right now. And he's only one year left on his deal. So, and he's the kind of player that he's, he's the most, you know, he's the most impactful player for the, for the Raptors in franchise history currently, you know, given the fact that he's been, you know, he's won a championship with them. He's, consistently been a been a producer for this team i think that he also has the ability to to you know go on to different you know find it find a spot in a different team that is looking to just find that extra player to you know get him to the finish line so i I think kyle lowry is someone that we definitely need to keep an eye on too yeah that's a really good point kyle lowry could move that would be kind of a heartbreaker for raptors fans it would like a long you know one of the longest tenured guys um yeah, Cat would be really interesting if he got traded because they've, they've tried to build around him. They brought Jimmy Butler, and that didn't work. D'Angelo Russell, Andrew Wiggins, all these guys, and it just – nothing has seemed to work. But Carl Anthony Towns has been a monster. He's a superstar, but it just hasn't worked with him in Minnesota. I don't know what it is. But, yeah, Miami, New Orleans would be a really interesting team if they got Carl Anthony Towns. Um, we'll just have to see. I think some of these guys could be traded. Some of them will stay. Um, we've kind of been focusing on the East – but let's move out West Tyler as our resident Lakers fan, you're rocking that purple quarter zip or whatever it is down there. Um, the Lakers and the Clippers already look like the two best teams in the Western conference. Um, you know, we talked about it last year. We thought it was a Western conference finals, seven game series. It was inevitable. Obviously that didn't happen. Is it already inevitable this year? I think it's way too early to, to call that. Um, I think no question the Lakers and the Clippers are the two top dogs in the Western conference. And those are the two teams to beat. Um, and I think a lot of us want to see that happen this year. I think we all wanted it to happen last year, that, that conference championship, 
matchup between the, the, the two LA teams. And I hope it does, but I, uh, I don't know if that's a hundred percent certain. I think the Western conference is still pretty deep. Um, there's two other teams in my mind that are close to that level. Um, and that would be the Utah jazz and the Phoenix suns. We mentioned the Phoenix suns last week on the podcast. I think this team's pretty legit. Um, I think they're a team that's going to, that's going to scare a lot of people. Um, and they're playing some good competition coming up these next few games. I, I, I think they play the Mavs like three times the next two weeks or something like that. So um, I think they'll be playing a lot better competition. They've had a pretty easy schedule of late. So we'll see how they fare through, through these next couple of weeks. And maybe my opinion might change on that. Um, but the, the Utah Jazz have been an upcoming team. I, I think that's a very, very good team that, that could shock some of those upper, upper two teams. Um, so I, for, for me, I think it's definitely Lakers, Clippers, top two, but uh, the kind of the lower tier top two or that, that makes the top four would be the Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns. But then you got, you know, a, a, a lot of teams that are kind of in that middle ground, you know, Portland, uh, the Spurs, Mavs, uh, Memphis, Denver, that are all in there, um, and they can make some noise too. I don't; they're definitely not as elite and as great as those two LA teams. But I mean, this is the Western Conference, and it's the Wild Wild West for a reason. Um, I, I think the one bummer with the with those top four that I mentioned is they don't really play each other a whole lot. I know the Lakers don't play the Clippers the rest of the season. Um, they're not playing the Suns until like I think the second to last game of the season. Um, I think the teams in general, I was, kind of, I was looking at everyone's schedules and they don't really play each other. I think maybe once um, they play each other, um, which is kind of a bummer. I think I would like to see, you know, unfortunately just the way the schedule is this, this season, we don't get to see uh, some of those games, but uh, so it'll be interesting to see come playoff time, you know, with not a lot of um, matchups in the regular season, how they will fare. But um, yeah, for me, I mean, Lakers Clippers is what I want, but, I'm not banking on it. I think it's far too early to really tell how the Western conference pictures is going to play out. But, uh, but as I mentioned, I, I, I think the, the jazz and the suns are two teams that I think have a legit shot of possibly winning the, the Western conference. Yeah. I mean, it is really too early to tell. I was just curious on whether you thought that it was, you know, obviously it's not a done deal. We thought it was a done deal last year. And then the Clippers kind of get shocked by the nuggets um, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. Um, but it, it, I agree with you. It does feel like those, the two LA teams are easily the best in the Western conference. I'm still not hundred percent sold. I think the Suns are good. I'm not sure if I can full on call them a contender yet. Um, they've only played, they only got to play one game this week, uh, cause of COVID. Um, and then they got blown out by the wizards. I'm pretty sure. Um, they're kind of a team that plays well against good teams and then poorly against bad teams. And I think that has a lot to do with their youth. I mean, other than Chris Paul, that team's really young and they kind of play down to shit teams and play well for better teams. Uh, the jazz though. Yeah. They're, they're legit. Um, I could see them making a Western conference finals for sure. Uh, though, I mean, the West is just ridiculous. Like I was looking through it and I mean, probably other than the Kings and the Timberwolves, 13 of those teams could realistically make the playoffs where in the East eight teams are going to make it, but there's really only about five of them that have a real shot. Um, so yeah, the West, whoever comes out of the West is going to be battle tested for sure. Um, and it'll be, yeah. And we'll just, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, last question. So there are some surprise teams currently in playoff spots in the Eastern conference now, 
and two, I would say two surprise teams that have started off really poorly. So James, let's start off with the surprise teams. The Cavs, the Hornets, and the Knicks are all in or around a playoff spot right now. Are any of these teams going to continue this run, make the playoffs, or is this just like kind of a Cinderella beginning to the season for them? Uh, of the three teams you mentioned, I think the yeah. two teams that have the highest, like the more, more chances of making the playoffs this year are the Hornets and the Knicks. Um, I'll start with the Hornets first. The Hornets are currently six and eight. They beat some good teams. They beat the Nets when the Nets were fully healthy. This is before Spencer Dinwiddie towards ACL. That's like, that, that was a good team. That was right at the beginning. And we thought that they were the real deal back then. Uh, they've also beat the Hawks as well. Like they beat some good teams and they lost to some good teams. Uh, overall though, they're a pretty good all around team. They have three point shooting, they're passing, they have interior scoring, they have rebounding. They're good all the way around. They have seven players that have that played 25 plus minutes per game. So, you know, it's a total team effort. And those like, that's almost starter minutes right there. LaMelo Ball isn't a starter, but he plays 27 minutes a game. Um, scoring is distributed pretty evenly too. Hayward is the only person that has 20 plus points per game, which means if somebody has an off night, somebody's going to step up and fill that void. It's a team effort. And they're also a very young team led by Gordon Hayward. And Gordon, Gordon Hayward's a good leader. If you guys remember, he had that pretty catastrophic injury, has faced a lot of adversity. And stuff like that typically turns you into a good leader because you can relate to other people and you're able to manifest stuff and bring stuff forward that people might not have. Like those stories of working through things and doing it for the love of the game, that makes you a good leader. These, this team gets better and better with every minute because they're so young. And they're going to continue to do it throughout the season. So they might squeeze in. But the team that I really think is going to make it in the playoffs, and that's the New York Knicks. They're seven and eight right now. They beat good teams, but they lose to bad teams. So right now it's kind of like fix your mentality, fix your perspective, and you'll have a better record. This is Coach Tom Thibodeau's first year as the head coach at, of the New York Knicks, but he's a good coach. He's coached for eight years, and he's, has, he's made the playoffs six of those eight years of the teams he's coached. He has more wins than he has losses. He's a defensive coach. He's known for his hard coaching style and that's pushed him out of a lot of places but I think for a Knicks team in New York that kind of culture that's going to be good for them the biggest thing here is the emergence of Julius Randle like that guy right now he's averaging a double double and that's not something we saw when he was in LA he was kind of like an okay player when he was with the Lakers but now he's one of the best players in the league it's hard work it's determination it's all paying off right now on top of that you have RJ Barry who's entering his second year he's he's close to averaging a double double too he's becoming a better player each and every game you also have Alfred Payton and Mitchell Robinson, all really good role players. This team, the New York Knicks, reminds me of the, the Golden Knights in the NHL. It's kind of like a ragtag group of players that nobody really wanted, but they're out there playing their hearts out each and every game because they have something to prove. And I think that's what's going to kind of force them and drive them into that playoff slot. I mean, I just I can't I can't see it with any three of these teams yet. It's still too early. Like the fact that you just said the sentence where you think the Knicks can make the playoffs doesn't really like compute in my brain like that. It doesn't make sense. It's like, <laughs> it's like the Mariners making the playoffs. Like none, it doesn't, that doesn't work. Yeah. Or the Aren't Browns. They, they had like the a winning streak at the beginning, didn't they? The Mariners? Of last season. Yeah. They're doing yeah. really well for a little bit. And then yeah, Tyler was like, like yeah. 13 and two. And then they lost like every game after that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It, yeah, I mean, one of these teams is probably going to make it because the East is terrible. Uh, you know, they're really top-heavy, and then the rest of them just will beat up on each other. Um, you know, it's, it is good for basketball when the Knicks are good because they're obviously a big market team, 
Um, they, you know, they play in New York, they play MSG, all this stuff. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, moving on to two other teams in the East that are started off poorly. Uh, trade mentioned earlier, the Toronto Raptors are not doing well to start the season. And the team that made it to the NBA finals and took the Lakers to six games, the Miami heat. Um, they're both well below 500 right now. Um, are these just slow starts for teams that didn't get, you know, a, uh, a normal off season or are they in trouble already? I really hope it's a slow start because the NBA is better when the heat and that intensity and that coach is are playing well. Actually the Raptors, I think this is when it starts to go downhill for them. Um, They've been in a lot of games, but uh, you guys were talking about earlier how there's like the most clutch player in the NBA and whatnot. I think Pascal Siakam is the least clutch player in the NBA. He's had so many potential game winners that he's just missed. It's one possession game is to give him the ball because he's the guy in Toronto now, but he misses. And that's and he needs to figure that out. Um, I mean, it's not always on him. The fact of the matter is you shouldn't be in one possession games if you're the, this good of a team, but they're for some reason, something's not clicking. They're not doing it. I think it's right now. Trade mentioned that Kyle Lowry might get traded, and hey, man, like it could be a possibility. If they don't fix something soon, get rid of that cap, get it some draft picks, get some role players, fill the void, work work with that. As for the Heat, it's so crazy because I feel like they've lost their intensity. They're kind of resting on their laurels right now and being like, hey, we went to the finals, we took the Lakers to six games, so like, yeah, we're good, but they haven't shown it this year at all. Like, bam, bam was supposed to be the next big thing. Where has he been all season? He hasn't been playing. That's for damn sure. I know Jimmy's been on and off hurt and whatnot, but he's been healthy as of late. So pick it up. It's just something's not clicking there. I don't know if it's like they need a culture change. Something big needs to happen, but they need to figure it out fast if they want to stay in this playoff race. Yeah, I, I don't want to agree with you, but I'm going to. Um, I think Toronto's time is done. They've ha- they had a really great run. Um, they probably would have made a lot more NBA finals if it wasn't for LeBron James. I mean, they, it felt like they lost, he, they lost to him every single year while he was playing for the Cavs, like that second stint with the Cavs. Uh, yeah. Toronto, if they could blow it up, they probably should. Miami feels like they're going to go out and get one of these guys that could possibly be dealt um, and just maybe some new fresh blood in there. I mean, the team for a team that made the NBA finals, it's it, honestly pretty incredible how much that team has stuck together. Like they had almost zero turnover from one year to the next, which is crazy when you look at like the team, like the Lakers, who obviously won, it seems like their entire roster changed except for like three guys. Um, but I, so I think the heat have a good chance to come back, but it, it might be over in Toronto and it might be time to blow it up and start it all over. Um, either way, crazy NBA season so far, games are still getting canceled. Um, players are still getting positive tests, but, uh, you know, we talked about it last week. It seems like they're just going to keep pushing ahead. And if teams don't have enough guys to suit up, we'll go from there and figure it out. But, um, it's a crazy NBA season, but, uh, James, that's all I got. All right. We're a little under a fifth of the way down with the NBA season, but it feels like something big is happening every single week. Alex, fantastic job, man. Learned a lot there. Uh, we're going to take another quick break and hear from our one sponsor. But when we return, we're going to take a break from sports and hear about deli sandwiches.
Welcome back. We are finally getting a, another food segment, and I'm excited. I love this stuff. Eric does such a good job. It's been a while. I'm pumped for it. Eric does sandwiches. Let's hear about it. Yes. <clears throat> Thank you, James. It has been a little bit. Um, as always, we're going to kick right into the history. Short little history synopsis. Um, delis originated in Germany um, after World War II. Uh, immigrants would bring all different types of foods to sell. And that's why at delis, you see like just 20,000 different things. The word deli means giving pleasure or delightfully pleasing. I think also delightful uh, shortened is deli. I don't know. That's just me being weird and thinking that in my head. But um, first delis in America started in New York City. Uh, I still haven't been to New York, but, you know, that's probably the first place I'll go anytime I do go to New York. Um, right off the plane, I'm going to a deli. Um, Alex had his segment in the past of uh, kind of like our ideal sandwich. How would we build it? Um, I kind of want to spin off of that. Alex, I'm going to hit you first with what would be like your ideal buildup of a deli sandwich? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm going to throw this out here and I when I when I'm or I'm going to give a hot take as I'm building my sandwich, but um, I'd probably go with like a sourdough bread. It's got to be hearty enough, you know, to keep that sandwich together. I'm going lettuce, tomato, uh, pepperoncinis. I want a little bit of spice in there, mustard, probably turkey, maybe some pepper jack, but do not put mayonnaise on anything. It will ruin it. Mayonnaise is awful. Wow. Do not just like fuck mayonnaise and fuck cheesecake. That's what I got. <laughs> so, yeah. Dude, not a fan. He also doesn't like sour yeah. cream. Remember also that one? like sour cream. That's true. I think, uh, um, oh, my bad. Keep going. Keep going. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. I'm like, I'm pretty much down to put almost anything in there, but I just don't want mayo. Yeah. I, uh, I do like the sourdough bread. I think it needs like a slight little, like, toasting to it nothing mm. like too crazy though where your mouth gets fucking just roasted like torn up yeah yeah um i saw something recently on like a diners drive-ins and dives um no free ads but we're a, a deli <laughs> they toast one one bread one piece of bread but not the other so you get like you get like a little bit of crunch but not wow. just where you're gonna fuck your mouth up um I think it needs to be cold. I don't know. I'm a big cold sandwich guy over hot um, as far as delis go. But I agree with you. The turkey is like probably the top meat I would go with. I'd even go like a honey mustard, like a sweet mm. little mustard. If there's mayo, it's got to be like a very minimal spread on top, on the top bread. Um, even mixed with like some delis do an avocado spread where they kind of like they spread that. James would probably hate it. Um, but you mix that with a little bit of like that spread on top with the mayo like you're now we're talking ideal um trading you're a banker um some a slang term for money is bread if you've never heard before like what would be your go-to bread in these sandwiches uh, I'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty basic because i just want i i need a consistent good sub like and i, I don't like to kind of go all crazy with it so just oh, any any kind of wheat bread or any kind of wheat, like, um, I guess sub bun is, is kind of what I, uh, you know, is what I look for. I mean, that that's because I know it's going to be good. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't, you know, diss on sourdough. It's just not really what 
would be my kind of ideal sandwich. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, low key squaw bread. People check it out. Um, it is. The hell it is, is that? <laughs> it's uh, it's like that dark, like pumpernickel style bread. You know, it's like dark brown colored. It's like a sweet, like sweet rye, sweet honey wheat almost type. Yeah, it's like a sweet rye bread almost. Hmm. Squaw bread. Yeah, it's it's similar, but yeah, people check it out. You heard it here, um, James. Tell me about your ideal sandwich, but. After that, I got another question for you immediately after. So give me your ideal sandwich. Okay. Uh, let's start with Deli the bread. Is. Deli sandwich, cool. Um, I like sweet roll. So if you guys don't know what that is, it's kind of like the same consistency as a sour bread, but it's not a sour. It's more of a sweet side, hence the name sweet roll. Uh, if there's not a sweet roll, there you go, Alex. Light bulb <laughs> moment. That's <laughs> funny. Um, if there's not a sweet roll around, I like Italian rolls. They're pretty damn good too. Uh, the meat I go with, turkey or roast beef that's also a good one or ham or maybe all the above let's go all the above put that all in there i like all the vegetables so give me lettuce onions tomatoes sprouts mayo and mustard for sure definitely i cannot do a dry sandwich that's happening once before eric you were there i had a hard time finishing that sandwich i don't know how people eat dry sandwiches. i think that's a little eat. dangerous too yeah dude i don't know how d does it she just eats a sandwich just like bread and chicken and that's it she must live Weird. life on the edge or something i don't know <laughs> definitely uh when it comes to cheese i like pepper jack but i also like swiss swiss typically goes really well on a deli sandwich and then i like put a little salt and pepper on that call that a day that's my sandwich right there and hot or cold well for this particular sandwich it's gonna be cold but i mean if you go with a meatball sub you definitely want that hot you, you're not trying to okay. use a meatball sub cold uh, do you think weather like plays a role if you're going to go hot or cold in the sandwich? That's a crazy question, but you know, some yeah, people dude, are... definitely, and it's cold outside. <laughs> I want to get a meatball sub. It just kind of happens. You know? Yeah. Uh, Traden, I didn't even realize I didn't ask you your ideal sandwich. I just asked you about bread. So what is your ideal sandwich? Deli yeah. speaking here. Yeah. So, you know, wheat bread, as I mentioned, um, I'm with you, James mayo and, and mustard are, you know, kind of set the base there. Um, I love, I love cold cut salami. And so it, it, I like salami and definitely um, some roast beef and Turkey in there. Um, all your basic, all your basic veggies, you know, your, your lettuce, tomato. Um, I, I, I like uh, Alex's uh, pepperoncinis in there. That's definitely a must. I like pickles too. I'm a huge pickle guy. Pickles. I forgot about pickles. Something that Jersey Mike's does in particular, and I'm not saying that Jersey Mike's is the, is the end all be all, but they have a, an, an oil spice blend that you know that that, that is just, that, that once i had oh, that to, and james you, you brought this up you don't want a dry sandwich that really makes the the oh. sandwich so robust to me and so robust, and it, huh? and, you know that 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 spice <laughs> you can taste the spices instantly um definitely some spices um uh and some uh some oil uh you know some kind of oil base in there that's kind of the big deal that um that you know puts my sandwich over the top yeah, I, I mean, I, I kind of forgot about that. Um, but yeah, that's called Mike's Way. Yeah. And it literally turns your sandwich into like a dr it drenches the fuck out of it. Like I go light <laughs> Mike's Way if I do the Mike's Way, because if you say Mike's Way, like they take the oil and all that in the vinegar and they go two like rows. Yeah, they do. It. It's good. But like that's so, so much flavor, so much sogginess oil. It, you you say light, right they go away, one too. row. Yeah, you do. You do. Like but, if you um, leave that for too long, the bread becomes mush. And it's <laughs> true. 
that it is true like no, you yeah. have to be within reason like i'm not saying like dump it in in oil but yeah <laughs> just dunk it like an oreo dude Jaden <laughs> likes mushy wheat bread everybody um <laughs> another thing i think ham is probably the worst uh meat to go on a deli sandwich oh, i don't wow. know why like it's just that the the flavor and the taste of it it's like a smoky overpowering pink ham taste you know it's just not it's ham that's why it tastes like ham dude fun fact yeah any nothing else tastes like ham except ham uh tyler <laughs> before you tell me your optimal deli sandwich uh we we haven't even talked about sides yet i feel like you're a big sides guy uh what sides are pretty important with having a deli sandwich um i feel like you don't usually have sides of deli sandwiches i don't know what but uh, okay you're definitely not a big okay (laughs) Okay. (laughs) no ask somebody else that question ask them no no i'm definitely not a sides guy okay when it comes to food like i'm so boring with food like i don't i don't sorry Okay, um, everybody else, any sides you could think of? I I could think of a bunch, but you guys give me some sides. Yeah. Get Max salad inside potato salad. You know, Mm -hmm. um, some chips, obviously. Are you a Max salad fan? I do, yeah. I had some some macaroni salad this weekend, now that I'm thinking about it. With a deli sandwich. Holy shit. Holy Holy fuck. (laughs) I forgot about that Um, right now. So I, I... I don't know if all Mac salads have this, but I, some of them have a little mayo, but like, that's like, again, like on the sandwich, if you sneak it like a small little bit. Yeah. See, it's all you know, hidden in there. That's that part yeah. doesn't bother me, but yeah, I'm not I think trying the to bite in and get mayo it. like in my mustache, you know, not about yeah, that. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's definitely not a good look. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and f- chips, James brought up chips, like your baked, baked, crunchy chips are solid with the sandwich. I never was the one to like put them in my sandwich, like a, oh, like a freak. Love. Oh, dude, that has a different dimension chips. though. I love chips in, in, in sandwiches. Oh, it's all coming out. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I got on deli sandwiches. There's like, I feel like you can go down. Tyler doesn't street. even get one. <laughs> that's tough, dude. Oh, just kidding. Fuck Tyler. <laughs> deli sandwich uh well tyler said he was boring with food but yeah no you're not tyler you need to tell us about your deli sandwich i bet you got something different on there oh wow um well it definitely depends a long week it definitely depends if we're going hot or cold monday yeah Uh, it's a start start to a long week um either way hot or cold i'm gonna have bacon on it if it's hot Mm. i want the chicken bacon ranch melt kind of from subway kind of, <laughs> no contrary to popular belief i really don't love subway that much it was just that one year That's i had subway a lot liar chicken bacon <laughs> ranch is from subway look it up right now that's like number nine okay. well i get i get the, like the same thing at Borden brew which is probably the best deli sandwiches Ooh, there are it may not be called a chicken bacon ranch but there's chicken there's bacon there's ranch in the sandwich so whatever to be their own but it's anyway not from but if it's but if it's a cold if it's a cold sandwich i'm going turkey blt um it's always a classic but again that's just i'm boring nice so, but that's what i got yeah blts are solid sandwiches i'm glad you brought those up uh yeah. that'd be a mistake if we didn't even mention those during this talk fuck subway um i once liked subway but just i i hate subway now 
I agree. Even though it was in, I forget it's all over the Happy Gilmore movie. Like he gets sponsored by Subway. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I would say if you're looking for a cheap, like quick to go sandwich, Jimmy John's no free ads is a solid one. Uh, LA area, Mike's Deli. You guys need to check it out. I sent James a picture earlier of it. Like that thing was massive. They have like 40 different sandwiches and like, they're just like that definition of a deli. They got wings, uh, all these different sides, chips. Like they got everything you need when you go in there. Um, fuck, you could probably get like cigarettes in the back if you wanted, um, whatever. Uh, they are based out of New York and they are now in LA. So if you guys are ever in that area, check them out. Nick's Deli is a solid one in uh, the Orange County region, but they're actually known for their breakfast burritos but they do have really good, they have a great BLT. Um, Hollings Heads is a solid deli in Orange, California. Uh, also like with a shit ton of beers. So that makes them even better. Just in Tyler Spark, my mind with the Board and Brew. Board and Brew. Go there after the hikes. They're all over California. Um, their sauce is crazy. We, you know, we always got to get in the sauce. It's like this orange sweet sauce. I don't even know what it is. Cortina's is a solid Italian style deli um, in orange as well. In, uh, James, you got any other delis? Shout out. Oh, man, you named all of them. Cortina's <laughs> is by far my favorite, though. You guys you talk you about guys, that place all the time. Yeah. Um, Alex, you got any delis that you go to out in your region? Uh, not in my region specifically, but I'm going to give a shout out to uh, this little Italian deli called Tino's. It's in Santa Barbara, California. Uh, it's technically called something else. I don't know what it's really called, but the old man that ran it, his name, like it's got a real name, but yeah. everyone just called it Tino's because the dude that ran it for like 50 years, his name was Tino. Same thing. They do the uh, oil, salt, vinegar kind of thing, but they don't drench it like uh, Jersey Mike's. <laughs> Place is fantastic. Um, shout out to shout out to Tino's if you're ever in Santa Barbara. Also where Psych is filmed. Solid. It's all coming around. <laughs> <Yeah>. All related. <laughs> yep. All right, guys. Well, that's all I got. Um, you know, there's more than just Jersey Mike's and Subway in this world trading Tyler. So, you know, we, we had to we had to let everyone else know that there's there's this, these small businesses, you know, they need to be supported in times like this. We're here, We're here for you. All right, Eric. Thank you very much. Fun fact. I 100 percent had a sandwich today from Cortina's to get in the mood for this segment. So oh, yeah. what do you like on your sandwich? Let us know. Eric might make it and mail it to you. Who knows? Crazy things have happened. <laughs> We're gonna take our last Extra break. Extra sauce. Yeah. Extra sauce. Super saucy. Mike's way and everything. Sure have a Mike's way. Yeah. It's gonna be Eric's way, but yeah. Uh, we're gonna take our last break of the episode. But when we return, we get to talk about the ultra competitive NHL Canada Canada division. Welcome back. Hockey started about a week ago, but we still have one division left to preview. And honestly, it wouldn't be right to just leave it out. So here's Traden continuing his fantastic, super informative NHL previews. Traden, let's do that hockey. Yeah, let's do that hockey. Uh, James, thank you. Um, we are going to round out the divisional previews today um, with the Scotia NHL North Division. This consists of all the all seven of the Canadian um, teams in the NHL. Um, and as, as always, we're going to start with, uh, with number one, the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
2019, the Leafs finished the 2020, I'm sorry, yeah, the 20, um, 20 season with a 36, 25, and 9 record, which would go for third in the Atlantic and eighth in the Eastern Conference. The issues with the Leafs have been the playoffs, as they have not been able to overcome the first round of playoffs um, over the last four seasons. Um, and they lost in game five of the qualifying round against the Blue Jackets in the bubble. <laughs> Offensively, this team was very good. Only the Lightning and Capitals um, produced a better um, per game offense as the Leafs netted a 3.39 goals per game average. They also checked in with the sixth best power play with a 23.1% clip. Defensively, this team struggles. Um, the Leafs ranked 26 with a 3.17 goals against per average or goals against per game, and their uh, PK was 21st with a 77.7% clip. Goaltending wise, this team has been has been leaning on MVP um, netminder Frederick Anderson, who's pretty much kept him in contention the last few years here. He did suffer a setback last season, posting a 2.85 goals against average and a 0.909 save percentage, but has historically been very good, keeping his team in games most nights. The outlook for 2021, the team had the team up look uh, up front looks very um, all around the same with superstar Arthur Matthews leading the charge with John Tavares, Mitch Marner, and William Nylander. Bottom six production is questionable, but as they are getting older and the recent additions of aging veterans um, may or may not be able to keep up with this, you know, speedy offense. Uh, defensively, the team added TJ Brody from uh, the Calgary Flames, who is a solid hire, in my opinion. Um, their top D-man, Jake Muzzin, every three of you guys know, uh, know him very well, um, is a force and we should see some improvement on the back end all in all, in my opinion. Goaltending is expected to remain solid, though backup goaltending is one of the big question marks for the team, especially given this truncated season where they're where he's going to be playing a lot more. Um, some additions, uh, Jumbo Joe Thornton, Wayne Simmons, and TJ Brody. Uh, they did lose Tyson Berry, Casper Kapanen, and Kyle Clifford to, uh, to free agency this past year. Uh, players to watch, um, Austin Matthews. Um, this Arizona native is a force. This He's 23 years old. He saw an uptick in, in production when he was put on the same line as William Nylander and Mitch Marner. And he's expected to lead his team in scoring yet again. And I expect him to be a front runner for the Art Ross this year. And then Frederick Anderson. Uh, we've seen Anderson carry the Leafs um, you know, over the years at times, but he's entering a final year in his contract. The team will need to refrain from overworking him, which has been a problem for this team. Um, he, they overwork him big time. So getting a full season of Anderson playing 100% is a scary thought for anyone in this division, um, the, the way I see it. So Alex, told you to take a look at the Maple Leafs. My question for you, the biggest problem for this team has been defense and a team committed to playing a grit, heavy hockey, uh, every heavy type of hockey. Um, but they did add some truculence in the lineup and Wayne Simmons and Thornton. Do you think this team can actually win a round of playoffs? Yes, I do think they can win a round of playoffs. I think it helps that they are in the all Canada division because whatever team they end up playing is probably not going to be as good as someone they would have played in their normal division. Um, you know, Joe Thornton is obviously not the player he used to be. He is a first future first ballot hall of famer, obviously, um, but he's going to bring some grit. I mean, if anything, the beard hairs will fall out and that will just make the ice gritty, like <laughs> as an actual texture. Uh, Wayne Simmons is the man. Like he will also, I mean, he already got in a fight. It's like four games in, he already got in a fight. Um, he, those two guys can bring a lot of veteran gritty leadership to this team that when John Tavares came in, I think some people maybe thought, you know, he's kind of a veteran to lead this younger team, but John Tavares is not that kind of gritty nose right. to the grind kind of player. He's more of flash, uh, scoring 
Um, but yeah, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs can definitely win a first round. I think they could come out of this division to make it into that final four. Um, and I think Austin Matthews has a, as a sort of a dark horse MVP candidate this year. I like that. Um, Austin Matthews is a, is a tremendous player. Uh, this team is scary. Um, if only because they are a high octane and fast team that can put up five goals against you on any given night. The back end isn't the prettiest in the league, but it, I think it's solid enough to keep scoring chances at bay. And if they get some extra help from Jack Campbell, the backup, you guys remember him um, over in LA, um, they, they will not finish lower than second in this division. And I would expect this team to actually make the semifinals. Um, you know, the, one team from the from Canada will, and I think that this is going to be a team as mentioned, as you mentioned, they won't have to pace the bust, the Boston juggernaut this season. Um, who's pretty much had their number every single season in the past year. Um, moving on to number two, um, I have the Montreal Canadians. Um, the Habs finished the season 31, 31 and nine good for fifth in the Atlantic and 12th in the Eastern conference. They were the final team to make the extended playoffs, but they turned heads by eliminating the Pittsburgh Penguins in four games in the qualifying round on the offensive side. The Habs ranked below average at 19th with a 2.93 goals per game and a, and 22nd on the power play with a 17.7% clip advanced stats do suggest that they were a more off. They were more impressive offensively on five on five ranking third in scoring chances generated, just unable to finish their their uh, their offensive uh workings there defensively the habs tied for 19th in goals against per game at 3.10 though they ranked 12th in scoring chances against and tied for 11th in high dangerous chances against so perhaps they did deserve some better goals against stats than they ended up getting goaltending wise carry price ha has held this team on his shoulders throughout his career um, he's been a bit of, he's been a, on a bit of a decline in the last two of the last three seasons, but he did, he did hit, take home the heart trophy in 2014. Uh, I'm sorry, 2015, um, turning in a 1.96 goals against average and a 0.933 save percentage while starting in 66 games. That is insane. And his recent play in the bubble saw him turn in a 1.78 goals against average and a 0.936 save percentage. He is trending tremendously right now. My outlook for 2021, this team made some solid additions, including Tyler Toffoli, a former LA King, Joel Edmondson, Josh Anderson, and Corey Perry in terms of the skating squad. They were an outstanding possession team last year, and that can only expect to remain going forward, in my view. The additions up front should definitely improve the offensive rankings this year. The improvement of goaltending from Carey Price recently and the addition of Drake Allen should also lead to an improved defensive numbers. Um, they have a young core of players, including Nick Suzuki and Kasperi Kotkaniemi, who can um, has, who have made some steps in the bubble and will be looked to continue that trend. Uh, this team has speed. Uh, they have good coaching at Claude Julien and as smart GM and Mark Bergevin. I would, um, you know, I, I see some good, uh, good stuff with this team. Some players to watch. I, I have Josh Anderson. Anderson was traded from the Blue Jackets, trading spots with Max Domi before quickly signing a massive, especially given the COVID era contract for seven years at 5.4 million a year he has the ability to score 25 to 30 goals in a season and could bring that extra finish that that team needs this is a big gamble but it's always fun to see how these moves kind of play out in a season and then i have jake allen um the backup goalie will be watched because the Habs now have 15 million tied up in the goaltending position most in the nhl by far but will it be worth it allen does give the team a capable backup to take the net when their hall of fame goalie um Carey Price is taking a breather and might be the key to unlocking a long season for this team. James, 
you really like this team in the bubble. Um, and I, and I gave you the task of checking this team out. This team stunned people in the, in the bubble. And it seems like they are faster. Even so do you see the moves made by Bergevin paying off? And do you see this team winning a series or two in the playoffs this year? I think we see it paying off right now. I mean, they've played four games and they've won more than they've lost. I believe yes. I think they're three and one right now because they just beat the Oilers one to three, three to one. Um, Josh Anderson, you mentioned him before. I think he's the best addition this team could have made at the right now. He's a couple years removed from having like a 50 point season, close to 50 point season. He had injury problems last year, so his numbers fluctuated. He played like a couple of games and had labral surgery. He doesn't have the same offensive numbers as Max Domi did, but what he does have is the fact that it's a good teammate. He, he's a hard worker. He has a go getter attitude and he's a leader. And that's something, not something you could say about Max Domi. He's, there's always been rumors circulating about how he's a terrible person, terrible teammate, always these arguments with the coaches. So I think that whole chemistry piece gets upped. And that's huge when it comes to hockey, playing in, in this league and all the games and the fact that it's a COVID season. You can't really talk to people. You can't do much. It's basically you and your team. So you have to have chemistry in order to be successful. I also like Tyler Tafoli. He's done so much these last couple of games. I've watched all of them. And he's out there doing great things. He's where he's supposed to be. He's passing the puck around. He, he looks really, really good. And I, I don't know what he was like when he was with the Kings, but if he was anything like this, the Kings made a mistake by letting him go. He's solid. Um, you mentioned Nick Suzuki and Kakami, both youngsters, really, really, really good. So addition-wise, they did well. But I think the variable or the part that makes Canadians this much better is the fact that they did well in the bubble last season. Mm-hmm. that confidence it, i mean they have the same group of core group of players and they all seem that if they work together they work hard they can go places and they can do big things and upset big teams and play at a very very high level and that is carrying over to this season and you see carrie price had a pretty tough couple seasons before this last season and all of a sudden he's back to like he could win a benza 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 he could win one of those this year like he's Better playing boy. at a really high level yeah um as eric would say he's playing on top upside down head what is the he's playing on his head? There we go. He's sleeping on his head. He's sleeping. Yep. Whatever that is. But you know, I'm still new to hockey. But the thing is, he's playing really well. And the fact of the matter is, this team is making great strides, and they're on the up and up. I actually think they're going to win the division. That's that's my prediction. Hey, I I would not be surprised. Um, you know, while it could be recency bias from the last few games we've seen, I really like this team. Um, this team has a solid mix of truculence, speed, and finesse that make this a very dangerous team. Um, they have the world's best goaltender in our area, in er- in our era, in Carey Price, who has been trending very well since the bubble. Um, I like this team's um, chances of making the playoffs and putting up a fight for that semi semi uh, final round berth. Um, I could very well see them winning the division as well. I, I I think that there's a couple of you out there that that think the same, James. Um, moving on to number three, I have the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, the Canucks finished the 2020 season with a 36, 27 and six record good for fourth in the Pacific and six in the Western conference. They cracked a playoff spot for the first time in four seasons and managed to, to make a second round berth before losing to the golden Knights in a hard fought seven game series. Offensively, there wasn't much wrong with this team who ranked eighth um, with a 3.25 goals per game average while ranking fourth on the power play with a 24.2% clip. Elias Pedersen notched 27 goals and, 66 points in 68 games with Quinn Hughes showing his skill netting 53 points in 68 games and was a second uh, was a close second for the Calder trophy last year. Defensively, the team struggled with some injuries and ranked 19th in goals against per game at 3.10 
at five at five on five, the team ranked 29th in shots against per game and 30th in scoring chances against. Um, goaltending here was underpinned by a strong season from Jacob Markstrom, though he was lost in the offseason. Uh, the, the then backup situation was decent at best with a tw- with 24 year old Thatcher Demko posting a 3.066 goals against average and a 0.904 save percentage, although he had a tremendous um, uh, play in the bubble. Outlook for 2022. The team has a lot of firepower up front uh, due to a lineup that includes um, Pedersen, as mentioned, Brock Besser and Captain Bo Horvat, as well as the breakout season from JT Miller and another season from former King Tanner Pearson. The team lost Tyler to Foley, but did but did so to strengthen the back end. And on the back end, Quinn Hughes lit up the league on the offensive side of the puck, but his defensive stats were a little bit questionable, which is to be expected from a young D-man. It, it, that happens. The team added Tyler Myers in free agency, who's a strong veteran, and added Nate Schmidt, who's a very quality, who's a very quality defender as well. With Alex Edler, Edler this top four core is um, very quality. The bottom pairing is is a big question mark. Goaltending wise, the team saw Markstrom move on and instead signed veteran Braden Holpe, who's seen who's seen a bit of a decline since the Stanley Cup win in 2018. And even during that regular season, he was he didn't do too hot. It wasn't until the playoffs that he really took off. Uh, players to watch that Holpe Demko tandem Markstrom could very well be a Vesna finalist could have been a Vesna finalist and he's now gone. Uh, Thatcher Demko had a spectacular postseason, but a less than spectacular um, regular season and Holpe while a Stanley cup champ is regressing fast. This team will need to challenge this tandem will need to challenge each other to bring a level that can support this young, fast and capable team, especially if de- defense ends up being a little shaky and, and Elias Pedersen. Pedersen has been such a highlight for the Canucks since he stepped foot um, in the NHL. He's played for two years, but it feels like a lot longer because he's just been elite from the get-go. He's a dynamic player to watch who can make plays. He has one of the best shot releases I've ever seen um, and is just an all-around elite talent that alone is worth the price of admission. So Tyler told you to take a look at this squad. Do you think this team can see it? can see a goaltending tandem worthy of both a playoff berth and perhaps more of a, a deeper playoff run than last year? Yeah, the, the goaltending on this team is, is an interesting one. As you mentioned, uh, you know, Holpe coming over for, from the Caps, you know, was one, was one of the Angels' best goalies for, you know, a four or five-year run there. And then the last three years have been really weird. He had kind of a down year and then an up year again and the really bad, like his worst year last year. So um, I feel like he's starting to be on the decline. And, you know, um, Demko is another interesting one. Like, what do they really have in that guy? You know, as you mentioned, his, his regular season numbers were nothing to be uh, happy about, but he had a really good postseason. So may, maybe he's coming up. But I think obviously they got Hopi, you know, a uh, more proven goaltender because they don't really know what they have in Demko yet. And they're going to kind of see where that goes. And maybe it could blossom into something great. And maybe Hopi can have a bounce back season and they got a super great uh, goaltending tandem. Uh, with that being said, like, I don't know if I, looking at this team going into the season, if I can necessarily trust that. And I think goaltending is kind of, what have you done for me lately type of thing. Right. Um, and I know Holpe and, you know, Demko, I, I don't know. I, I just don't really see that being a, a playoff worthy goaltending tandem necessarily um, in this division. So um, I, I, I think that they'll probably do a little bit better than expected, but I, I don't think the goaltending is not all the biggest issue. I, I think it's their depth past their top six. Like, I really don't see this team having much there at all. You know, like, as you mentioned, like the top six with, with um, led, led, by, led by Pedersen is amazing. They have one of the best, you know, 
you know, star and exciting goal scorers in the the game right now, but they don't got much of a supporting cast, you know? And I, I, I I feel like, honestly, I think you have this team ranked a little too high, to be honest with you. Um, So I, uh, if, if they do make the playoffs, they're going to squeak in, but I don't really see them going deep at all. Interesting. Um, look to me, I, you know, I like, I like getting that, 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 uh, that, uh, banter, uh, this, this is a fun team to watch much like the rest of this Northern division. They have a young offensive core that gels well together and extremely, and they're extremely lethal on the power play and are so strong down the middle. I do question some defensive guys given their age. Um, Quinn Hughes is a revelation, but I don't know if he's enough to offset the question marks currently. And I don't know what goaltending I will get. So that, that gives me concerns for a deeper playoff run in, in, to your point. Um, but this team, I think they do make the playoffs. I do think they're at third place. Now rounding the final spot in the, in the, uh, in the playoffs. Does anyone want to take a guess? The Calgary Flames. Oh, The Flames finished the season with a 36-27-7 season which would good for the fourth in the Pacific and eighth in the Western conference, which would have been good for the last wildcard team in a regular playoff format. Their time in the bubble was cut short in the first round of the playoffs when they got eliminated by the Dallas stars in six games. Offensively, this team ranked 20th with a 2.91 goals per game, but hovered around near bottom five before they hovered around bottom five early. And then they really finished strong. So they, they gained back a little bit. Their power play clicked for 21.2% for 12th place rank, which is pretty good. Their advanced stats suggest that they were getting the chances as they ranked fifth in scoring chances. They just couldn't finish defensively. This team finished middle of the pack averaging 3.02 or 3.06 goals against per game. Their five on five play was not helpful as they ranked 29th in scoring chances against goaltending was led by David Riddick and Cam Talbot. The latter of which is gone. Uh, Riddick worked a 2.97 goals against average and a 0.907 save percentage, but fell apart in February. Where, we, where he turned in a 3.65 goals against average and a .887 uh, save percentage in 10 starts, losing the net to Talbot. My outlook for 2021, this team has a set of forwards that are capable of scoring with the legs of Sean Monaghan, Johnny Goudreau, and Elias Lindholm, and the turtle himself, Matthew Kachuk. Johnny G, Johnny G has had a dip in production, but this core group of players has been successful in the past. Defensively, the Flames lost Travis Hamannick, but replaced him with Chris Tanev and made some other depth moves to turn over this aging squad. Captain Mark Giordano leads the back end. It's just a question on how this squad will fare this season. Uh, the Flames' biggest move of the offseason was nabbing Jacob Markstrom from free agency and will share the net. who will share the net with da- uh, David Riddick. This should be a close to equal share of the net. Um, and you know, a, nor- a good Markstrom and a normal Riddick should bring a good quality tandem here. Uh, my players to watch Matthew Kachuk, as much as I fucking hate this guy. Um, it's largely because he's a pest to play against. He's, ba- he, he's basically, especially in the battle of Alberta as I'm a huge Oilers fan. Um, he's basically the Marchand of the West. He's scrappy. He's annoying, but has tons of talent and skill. He's a proven 30 goal scorer, 70 point player. So just what else can he bring? That's, that's my biggest, um, that, that's why I want to see what he can do here. And then Johnny Goudreau, Johnny hockey, as they say, is still in his prime years and signed to a team friendly deal, but his production is very volatile on a team that really lacks consistency. Uh, watch him to bounce back um, and score and put himself on the score sheet early and often. So, I have uh, Alex, or I'm sorry, Eric, I told you to take a look at this, uh, this squad. How do you feel about this squad after seeing them play in the bubble? And after the recent moves, do you think they make the playoffs? No, fuck the flames. Uh, They're not making the playoffs. 
They didn't do shit this offseason. They did get Markstrom. He's good. That's all they got. Um, I, I fucking hate these guys. This might be my most hated Canadian team. Uh, I don't feel confident in them. And I don't think Johnny Gaudreau is good as he once was. They don't – Kachuk is now the captain. Like, you got the biggest rat in the league as your captain. You're not going to make the playoffs. Fuck you. Fuck the Flames. Well said. Um, yeah, look, this team, in my opinion, in, um, I expect we'll see a resurgence in goaltending and thus defensive numbers will improve. I personally am a huge Johnny G fan and really cheer for him to turn a corner and become an impact player again. I also expect to, to see improvement from the other core forwards that will help win games against these high-octane teams in the North. I, I do expect to play off berth for this squad. Number five, anybody want to take a guess? The Winnipeg Jets. The Jets finished the last season with a 37-28-6 record, good for fifth in the Central and ninth in the Western Conference. I know that my uh, my uh, pod ma- podcast mates are really itching to ask Where me. Where is your team? They struggled in the bubble off the bat as they had to play with <laughs> Patrick Laine and Mark Shifley just one game into the bubble and ended up losing to Calgary in the qualifier. The Jets are scoring beasts, at least they used to be. Um, coming from third ranked from the third ranked offense in 2019, the team regressed to below to below average with a 3.0 goals per game. They regressed to 25th in shots um, per game on five on five play. Defensively, this team was decimated from game one as they uh, as the team was without big man Dustin Bufflin as well as losing key players to free agency and trades. They somehow ranked 10th in game in goals per game at 2.83 but their advanced stats suggest they had no business being in that spot. They ranked 26th in shots against per game and 24th in scoring chances against. So what saved this team? Connor fucking Hellebuck who, um, who deserved an MVP nomination for his performance and did in fact win the Vezina last year. He worked a 2.57 goals against average and a 0.922 save percentage ranking 11th and fifth respectively in those stats. His back was hurting after that season and he's only 27 years old. The, my outlook for 2021, Patrick Laine seems to be staying for now, but question marks will surround him. Nonetheless, the team added veteran Paul Statsny to help shore up the, this forward group. This is a quality group that should be able to net, um, net a bounce back if healthy, but they will need to bring it all. Defensively, the team has Josh Morrissey, and in my opinion, an underrated defender, and Neil Poink, among additions, Derek Forward on the depth side. This suggests that they, ha- they have an improved group here with the likes of Dim- D- Dylan DeMellos re-signing as well. Um, after all, they are improving off a of weak number, so you can only go up from here. <laughs> uh, starting goaltender-wise, little question marks here. Connor Hellebuck will be here for a while. Uh, Laurent Brossois will, will back him up, who turned in a pretty weak 3.28 goals against average and .896 save percentage, so perhaps those 25 games that Hellebuck is not playing are my biggest question marks here. Um, players to watch, uh, Patrick Line. This guy is intriguing, if only because we don't know what's going to happen with him in the Jets. The player has made his feelings clear that he wants out, but is entering the final year of his current contract where the Jets will own his rights for the next one. He can score, though, and in bunches. So it's a wonder if the Jets can even afford to lose this guy. And then Connor Hellebuck. No team in the NHL has leaned on their goaltender more in the past three seasons. He has faced an ungodly amount of minutes, rubber, Leading the leading the league in over in in over that time in pure minutes and games played along with shots faced, he is a star and amazingly fun to watch. So my question for you, Alex, for this team: Do you trust this offensive group to bounce back and give this season a legitimate shot? Did the defense improve enough to make this team a playoff team? I mean, 
I think the offense, I think the Paul Stasny um, pickup is almost somehow underrated in this whole thing. Um, I think they have enough offensive firepower to win games. Um, And, you know, just like you said, Connor Hellebuck's amazing. He's, you know, maybe the best goalie, second best goalie with Vasilevsky in the league right now. Um, It's just, that's a lot of minutes. That's a lot of wear and tear on your body. Um, You know, I'm hoping he holds up because he's on my fantasy team. But uh, I think if the, if the jets can just be a middle of the road defensive team somewhere in the, you know, the 13 to 18th best defensive team somewhere in there, they're going to score enough um, in this division to squeak possibly squeak in. Um, I kind of like where you have them in that uh, fifth spot right now. Um, but I could see them jumping uh, the flames if, oh, yeah. um, you know, if they can just uh, be better defensively. And if Hellebuck stands on his head again, like he has, he's definitely, uh, they've got a shot. Definitely. Um, my view, the Jets used to be very scary. Um, they could score in bunches and just couldn't let anything in. I think last year, I think last year was a little bit of a fluke, but I don't think that they're as good as they were two years ago either. So somewhere in the middle there, which is why I put them at fifth. Um, this, um, you know, and when you're in the most competitive division in the league, though, one good string of games could be the difference between golfing and playing hockey come May. So we may see them squeak in. Number six, my team, the Edmonton Oilers. And I know we finally are get to talk about them. I don't really want to, but I will. The Oilers finished the season with a 37-25-9 and record last year, good for second in the Pacific and fifth in the Western Conference. The team looked very good before the pause, but they entered the bubble and got upset by the, by the Chicago Blackhawks in only four games. Offensively, this team ranked 14th in offense despite having the two top scores in the league. They excelled on the power play at a 29.5% clip, best in the league and among the best in league history. Depth scoring was very weak, however, and ranked below, and they ranked below average in five on five stats. Defensively, this team had its ups and downs. They finished 17th in overall defense with a 3.04 goals against per game, though they were stellar on the road, ranking third. So, very kind of weird splits there. Goaltending wasn't robust with veteran Mike Smith earning a 2.95 goals against average and a 0.902 save percentage and Miko Koskinen earning a better but not great 2.75 goals against average and a 0.917 save percentage. My outlook for my team in this year. This team is led by the greatest player on the planet currently in Connor McDavid and a top five player in the world, Leon Dreisaitl. Both have fought very hard against each other to win the Art Ross in multiple seasons and Leon is coming off a heart trophy season himself. That said, the scoring stops after this top two lines, which is an issue. The team attempted to offset the depth um, issue, uh, depth issues through key signings, but those remain to be seen currently. On the defensive side, the team will be without their best defender in Oscar Kleffbaum, who ate 25 minutes and 25 seconds of average ice time, which was good for fifth in the league. And it was tough minutes. It was against really hard, tough opponents. They brought in notable D-man Tyson Berry to bring in some offensive potential while hopefully um, bringing average defending as well. Their depth of the defensive side consists of young um, group of players who are just finding their way in the, in the league. The team will be sticking with Miko Koskinen um, on the back end, though the backup situation is in question right now as Mike Smith is, in, is on LTIR. Stuart Skinner may take his place from Bakersfield, but, but he has not had any NHL experience. It's very kind of a crapshoot on who's going to be 
um, the, the Edmonton Oilers backup. Um, players to watch. Uh, Connor McDavid. There's very few players that simply make audiences lose their breath when they play, and McDavid is that player. Um, his combination of speed and raw talent is unlike anything else in the league. He is much watched TV for anyone who likes hockey or even is interested in looking at what hockey is because he exemplifies it better than anyone. And then Tyson Berry. This guy was signed to a, to a one-year show-me deal. He comes in as the bona fide quarterback out of an already lethal power play, but also brings some ability five on five on the offensive side. Their hope the Oilers are hoping it will be interesting if he can bring the necessary defensive help and unlock his offensive potential in this change of scenery experiment for this dude. So I had, since we only have seven teams, I had James and Eric uh, take a look at this team. I'm going to start with you, Eric. Do you, do you have any confidence in this defense and goaltending squad? And without a big move during the season, can the Oilers make the playoffs? Their goaltenders are weak. Come on, trade him. You just you just got to admit it. Um, you know who they remind me of? They're kind of like the angels of hockey. Like you're you're hyped up. They're exactly you, the angels. You think they're gonna have a great season? They have probably the best player in the league, just like the angels with Trout, and then they just waste another year away with them. Um, they don't make the playoffs. I don't really have uh, any confidence in their defense. I think Barry, like everything you just said about Tyson Barry is what the Leafs tried to do last year and it didn't really work out, but who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe his second go around with another Canadian team, he could change that up. I like the one pickup I like you guys got was Cuckoo. Is that how you say it? He's fantastic. He spells it like Coek Coek. He's the guy who was in the Blackhawks last year who was making you chuck your hat on the ground. Yep. Um, in the bubble, but I, I'm pretty unconfident in them, if that's a word. And I think that they should have gotten Markstrom this offseason. But I think when they paid Koskinen that big contract a couple years ago, that that got in the way of them trying to get Markstrom this year because then the fucking Flames got him. But I'm not too confident in your Oilers. I do think they'll do better than the Flames, though. Oh, okay. Maybe that. I, I, hey, I hope so. That'd be great. And James, same, uh, same set of questions. Do you have, do you have uh, confidence in this goaltending and defensive squad and can they make the playoffs? Uh, in their defense? Yeah, I do. I think they have some pretty good defensemen that they still have to like work with and improve over time. I mean, assistant captains, Adam Larson and Darnell Nurse are pretty great players. Mm-hmm. Nurse can put up some offensive numbers and Larson's pretty much just on the defensive end. And you brought up Tyson Barrett, like they can put up some numbers and they're brought in there to help with the offense, right? Uh, 23-year-old Ethan Bear also is pretty good. He's coming along. I think he was a healthy scratch today. But he's had more positive moments than negative moments. And I think over time, that'll continue to build upon that. And he's he's a small guy. He's, like, diminutive. And that puts a chip on his shoulder. He has to work twice as hard. And he knows that. And so that, that kind of pressure that's put on him, I think that helps him become a really great player over time. Uh, that being said, inevitably, the defense will fail. This is hockey. There's no way defense can pull a shot out on their own. Eventually, they're going to mess up. They're going to fail the pucks and get through. And that's when goaltending needs to show up. And your goaltenders just suck, plain and simple. Uh, Koskinen is the only goal that's played thus far. On his career, the numbers look okay. Like, 909 save percentage and 2.91 goals against average for his career. But the last four games, he's led in 15 goals. Uh, suffice to say, he's not doing his job. He's not pulling his weight. And you guys need to figure something out. Like, you need to get a goaltender. You Hopefully, the guy from Bakersfield, maybe he could be, like, this underrated dude that all of a sudden just shows up big in the playoffs. Like, those backup, backup, backup goalies who 
have like a job, like a real job in the world. And then they're just sitting <laughs> in the arena, you know, and all of a sudden they have a shutout. Like hopefully he's like that. And then that'll give you guys some hope. But with goaltending this bad, you guys have to like really pump up your offensive end and you have the personnel to do that. Like your offense, your boards are good and you have defense defensemen that can score. But for some reason, they just haven't put it together. It's it's been a rough four games for you guys. So without any improvements, you guys aren't going to make playoffs. But I do see that coming. I do see them improving over time and breaking out this funk. Look, guys, I'm the biggest Oiler fan you guys probably know, and most audiences, you know, most audience would know that I'm probably the, the biggest Oiler fan that um, that you know they know. And I don't see this team making the playoffs. They lack depth scoring, albeit some of it was addressed, but it hasn't really panned out yet. Their defensive core has shown to be weak and unreliable, but do have their moments. Um, they are they are young and learning to find their stride in the league, so I'll give them that. The biggest question mark for me is goaltending, as with you guys. Um, Miko Koskinen is solid, but he's not lights out. And in, and in a division that has some of the best net miners in the game, it's hard to expect us to make the playoffs, even with the best players on the planet. Yeah, sorry, boys. I see you at sixth at this rate. And then rounding out last place, um, in my opinion, the only team that really doesn't have a shot at playoffs, but I could be wrong as well because they're actually doing doing okay, is the Ottawa Senators. Uh, the Ottawa Senators finished another disappointing season, finishing 25, 34, and 12, seventh in the Atlantic and 15th in the East. The Senators have been an, have been an all-out rebuild mode for the last couple seasons. Offensively, this team struggled again, ranking 24th with a 2.68 goals per game average. Brady Kachuk was their highlight, scoring 44 points last season, following up a 45-point season before. Defensively, the team struggle is struggling as well, ranking 30th with a 3.35 goals against per game, only beating the Red Wings. Goaltending-wise, the team has completely changed guards, so any prior discussion would be kind of moot at this point. My outlook for 2021, the team has lost two of their top scorers in John G. Pajo and Anthony Duclair, but still have Brady Kachuk, future captain. I'm sure he's going to be captain in, in a few years. That kid is fantastic. They added many pieces, though nothing, nothing of value besides Tim Stutzela from the 2020 draft. The kid lit up the World Juniors for Germany, um, netting 10 points in five games. Quality offenses are built down the middle, and the team doesn't even have a number one or even a number two centerman which is not good. not good defensively. The team has changed its back. Uh, it's back end core, but it remains to be seen how they will fare. They are younger, but inexperienced. They do have elite D man, Thomas Shabbat, um, who led the league in minutes per game at 26. Even goaltending wise, the team will be going with Matt Murray, former two time Stanley cup champion with the penguins. The years since um, the cup haven't been kind to this kid though, getting outplayed by Tristan Jari recently as he worked to a 2.87 goals against average and a 0.899 save percentage last season, huge regression. Um, he has the keys to, to the Ottawa net now, and we'll be sharing the house with Anders Nilsson as his backup. My players to watch Matt Murray, uh, the Sens wanted a long-term solution in net and they went all in on Matt Murray. He has a strong resume and a fairly solid career numbers, but his play as of late does raise some eyebrows. The question remains if he can bring back his old self. And then Thomas Shabbat, this player is a Sens cornerstone and turns 24 this season. He is becoming one of the most productive and offense and productive offensive defensemen in the league sitting among the top 15 in total points per game. Um, he has defensive stats that he needs to improve. Um, so he is, he's a guy to watch here um, as they, as they rebuild. 
So Tyler, I told you to take a look at the Ottawa Senators. This team is rebuilding, as we know. Do you see them making some strides in all parts of the lineup? Yeah, not really. Uh, I think this team's just going to have another just bottom feeder, you know, kind of year. Um, there's not really a whole lot going on. Like you mentioned, Brady Kachuk, I agree with you. I think that that, that guy's great. Uh, I think I think they've got some potential that are coming that could happen, and you know I think maybe their their forward lines will might take a step forward. I think that they've got some potential to light up the league a little bit. I'm really interested to see how uh, Tim Schnitzel does. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, I just think they 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 lack so much defense. They might as well just put a cart cardboard cutout in the net. You know, I just. <laughs> Like they're just they're so bad defensively. Um, it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be a rough a, another rough year in in the nation's capital. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, this is another rebuilding team. All teams go through it. Kings are going through it. Um, the Sens have brought in many players in an effort to turn things around. I actually like the Matt Murray signing. I think he was treated a bit unfairly in Pittsburgh, much like what happened when he was soaring and they and they tossed Mark Andre Fleury to the curb. Same type of thing. They don't really give a shit, and it's kind of unfortunate because these goaltenders are winning you cups, but it is what it is. It's a business. Uh, he is going to want to earn that contract. Um, but I do like this team to improve, but the All-Canada divisions will be tough enough, and I don't expect anything better than a seventh-place finish. Um, does anybody have any questions for me before I ask you guys what rankings um, we got? No? Did you go with uh, the Oilers? Did you rank the Oilers purposely bad because – your other hockey picks last year in the bubble were a little questionable. So like, you're that is actually that, a great question. Um, you're hoping like that, it, you know, reverses, you know, you know like reverse I, psychology. Yeah, no, I, I did take a lot of time with these. Uh, I did take a lot of time with these, with these rankings on, on it, you know, in all the divisions. And I had to look at them objectively, the Oilers objectively. And, and, it's, and I guess there is some recency bias here. They do not look good. Um, and I am not, very confident as a huge oiler fan and i was very excited to, to start the season i thought that we were easily going to get the second spot and then you actually really dig into these other teams who've made some good moves this is the this may not have the best teams in the league but this is the hardest division to make the playoffs because there are six great teams that could easily make that could easily make that top four spot so um but uh, let's go around the horn and ask everyone if they disagree or agree with me. Um, what, who is going to the playoffs, James? Canadians, Leafs, Canucks, and Oilers. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate Canadian. that. Uh, Eric? Canadians win the division. Okay. Canucks, Maple Leafs, and Winnipeg Jets. You don't have the Leafs in there? Yeah, I said, Can I I said Canadians – Canucks, Maple Leafs, and oh, Maple okay, the yeah, M third. Wow, that that that's a big regression for them if they don't if they can't even crack 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 top two. I really hope that happens. Uh, Tyler, I uh, got Toronto, Montreal, Calgary, and Edmonton. Oh, okay, okay, and Alex. Really don't want to do this, but I agree with you. Leafs, Canadians, Canucks, Flames. Okay, hey that that uh. I, I love it. Um, there are a lot of differences. I mean, I, I think you can look, this is this division. No one has a fucking clue what you're going to get. Um, it's already turning into a, a, a crazy season in the first four games, but James, that is the 
the Scotia North division um, there. That is my divisional previews for the NHL. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I'm looking forward to see if my predictions are right. I actually hope they're not in the Northern division, but we'll see. <laughs> Hayden, another great job. I've honestly learned so much with these previews. Like I'm more prepared for this NHL season than I've ever been before. And I know that doesn't mean much, but like, I'm seriously super, super appreciative of the job you've done with these. All right, guys, that pretty much wraps up episode 30. Just a couple of quick announcements, though. We have a new series. It's called Let's Talk About Life. It's hosted by yours truly. And I just interview people and ask them about their life, asking them what any lessons they've learned along the way. It's pretty cool. The first episode is very well received. So I've just locked up another interview. So look for that to be released on Friday or Saturday of this week. We've also been putting up articles on our website, tldrpodcast.net. So check that out if you have time. Lastly, please check out our socials, Insta, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. And leave us a review in Apple Podcasts if, if, if you feel compelled to do so. All right, that's it. We hope you have a fantastic rest of your week, and thank you for listening.